Good day. Welcome to In the Making. I'm your host, James Ray. We're going to pick up with Psalms 51 and the second part of the series, The Value of Repentance. David has had an affair with another man's wife. He's had the other man uh, basically murdered. And now God has uh, sent the prophet to tell David about himself. David doesn't try to cover it up. David doesn't try to deny it. He doesn't try to justify it. But what he does is he repents. And that's a valuable lesson for us because there is value uh, in repentance. God sets a judgment for David because God has already told David what judgment would come upon he and his family as a result of his sins. If you can only see God's judgment, but not his goodness, then you're in trouble. If you can only see God's goodness, I mean, only see God's judgment and not God's goodness, then you're in trouble. Romans 2 and 4 says, because it is the goodness of God that leads to repentance. Repentance has value. <clears throat> God, as righteous as he is, and in esteem as he holds David, still has righteous standards. So David's sin would in some way inevitably be addressed by the righteousness of God. And while God had pronounced a judgment upon David and upon David's family as a result of David's sins, David didn't just get, up, get caught up in the judgment of God or the punishment that we would call it from God. But David was able to see his goodness. And a lot of times where, where people fail even from, from the inside because they don't really understand God or from the outside of those who... Uh, who are looking in and they have not come into relationship or fellowship with God, a lot of times what they point to is God's justice and not his goodness. And when we understand God, we know that his justice is part of his goodness. God's repentance or repentance, repenting, repentance, what God re desires from us has value. The first point we want to make is that if God is leading us somewhere, or he desires that we get to a place, then it has to be good. If God desires us to get to a place, 
and he and he's leading us to that place, then it has to be good. God's goodness leads us to repentance. If God wants me to uh, to 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 walk upright, there's got to be something good in it if God is leading me to do it. If God wants us to walk in love or humility or in faith, it must be something good about it if God is leading us to to do it. Because he's a just God. He's a perfect God. He already made all things. And when he made them in the beginning, he said it was good. And then he said it was very good. If God then is holy and he's perfect and all good and every perfect gift come from above, from the father of lights, whom there is no variance, no, 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 no change. Then if God is leading us to a place, that place must be good. Just because the consequences of God's righteousness through his justice don't seem fair or right to us don't mean that they are not right or fair because God is just. And by that very term, it means that whatever God does is perfect and right because it is trying to get us to a place and conform us to his image. So whatever befell David, just like whatever befalls a child of God in order to get us to a place of repentance or to get us to a place of, of walking uh, with the Lord, if God leads us there, it has to be a good place. It doesn't mean that, that, and I think we may get into this later, but I got to say it for some people right now so they won't uh, be disheartened or they won't um, lose, lose the desire to continue to follow, is that just because uh, we're going to a, or God ushers us to a good place doesn't mean that we won't hit some bumps in the road, that there won't be some curves, that there won't be some potholes, that there won't be some storms that we have to travel or to endure because of God's justice. It means that God is still able to shape us and grow us and mature us and comfort us and guide us and lead us and prepare us and sustain us and equip us and help us and mold us even as we go through these things. But if God is leading us to a place and he desires to get us to a place, it has to be good. Repentance then must have value to God, and it should have value to us. Secondly, 
if there is repentance, then there has to be a confession of something. If we're going to truly repent, then we meet we then we have to be able to confess or there's a need to confess something. And while the consequences of what we are confessing like David may not be good, good can come from it. God had already pronounced judgment upon David and David's house. And so for David to confess, David had to understand that, first of all, the judgment of God was going to take place. But we'll see a little bit of that later. Maybe we'll get into it. Maybe we won't. That, that, David, they, that David still felt some kind of way about God, that even though God had judged him, Maybe God, because of his goodness, would change some things. But David confessed. He, he, he didn't go along and try to put a Band-Aid on his problem. David confessed what he did. And the confession didn't all feel good because David was going to lose his, his son, David uh, heard about the judgment, so he knew that there were going to be some bloodshed in his family, that his own wives would be uh, mistreated and taken from him, as he had done Bathsheba, that a lot of uh, betrayal would happen in his family. So all of that had just had to have felt bad to David. But there's something about confession that while the consequences of it may not be good, good can come up, good can come from it. First John 1 and 9 says um, that, that God is faithful. And there are four things from that if we confess our sin. God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. There's value in repentance because he says if we confess, confessing is saying the same thing about sin or mistakes that God is saying about it. David had committed adultery and murder. He'd sinned in the presence of God. David says, I did it against you, God, I've sinned. So when he confesses, he pl places himself on the path of repentance. And repentance has value because even in the confession, one of the first things we see is God's faithfulness. From 1 John 1 and 9, it says that God is faithful. If we confess our sins, God is faithful. God is faithful even when we sin. The Bible tells us numerous times that before we were, or while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And even when we didn't know it, God, we were God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which 
Christ before ordained that we should walk in them. And why? Because in times past we were in darkness. But God quickened us and he made us alive in Christ Jesus. And that has nothing to do with us. It has all to do with the faithfulness and the love and the mercy and the grace of God. Because if God is not faithful, it doesn't matter or not whether we have faith. Because if God is, is not operating in the faithfulness of who he is, we don't have an opportunity to practice faith. What another value it says that of is God's perfect justice. We talked a little bit about this earlier. God's perfect justice. We may not always like it. It may not always feel good or sound good, but it's best for us. And God is not like man. God is fair in how he judges. And God has a reason for, for his justice because he is holy and righteous. And so he does not or can't stand for unrighteousness to try to infiltrate who he is. And so God has to have barriers and have things set up. And part of that setup and part of the barriers and part of what keeps us able to to commune with God in the right way is his justice. And his justice is fair. Another value is God's forgiveness. If we confess our sins, he's faithful. He's just to do what? To forgive us of our sins. One of the values of, of, of David confessing and even repenting is, is the receiving of God's forgiveness. Because all of us, because of Adam, have found ourselves in a terrible dilemma. I think we'll touch on that a little bit later, but we found ourselves in a terrible dilemma and because God has been faithful and even in his perfect justice, God forgives us if we want to be forgiven. Now, that's the thing about it, that sometimes we're too stubborn. David was not stubborn and said, well, I'm the king. Well, God appointed me. Well, God anointed me. So I, I have a right to Bathsheba and anybody else. And maybe he felt that way when he took Bathsheba the first time. And maybe he felt that way when when he had um, Uriah really killed. But at some point he had to come to a realization of who God was, who he had, who himself, who David had come to be in that short period of time and where God wanted him to be. And he realized that if he wanted to get back into fellowship with God, he had to confess because the God that he knew was willing and able to forgive him. Now, people may not be willing or at some point able to forgive us, but God is. 
And that's one of the values of repentance, knowing that no matter what we've done, if we really are truly repentant, if our heart and mind is open and receptive to really acknowledging where we are and where we've fallen short, God will forgive you. It doesn't matter what you've done. The Bible says that that the the reason that God won't forgive is because of blaspheme of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is sent throughout the earth to do the will of God. And so basically what it's saying is that we can't be forgiven if we have not received the Spirit of God. So he won't forgive us if we have not received his Spirit. But if we have received him, if we know him, if we know Jesus Christ to be our Lord and Savior, if we we desire to walk with him, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. Not just one, but all. I heard somebody say, and, and we understand and agree, because in the beginning, God gave the command to Adam. He said, I'm going to give you everything, Adam. And this is kind of like a parallel to David. David really had everything because later God would say, look, if there was something that you didn't have, David, you could have just talked to me about it and I would have gave it to you. But now you done went ahead and did your own thing and been selfish and did all of this. I have to judge you. You have to be judged according to my righteousness. Adam was the same way in the garden. He said, look, Adam, everything in the garden is yours. Free. Go ahead. Go ahead. Have at it. Enjoy life. But there's a tree in the midst of the garden. Don't eat of it. And Adam chose to do what? That one sin, to disobey God. And it doesn't matter if it's lust. It doesn't matter if it's thievery. It doesn't matter if we, we, we um, you know, whatever the sin is. No matter what it is, it's all disobeying the command of God to live holy, to walk upright, to walk after him. And no matter what the sin is, no matter what the, 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 the thing in our life that tugs at us the most and the hardest and that is more difficult for us to walk away from, no matter what it is, everybody suffers from that one thing of sin it's called disobedience when we uh, walk contrary to the way of God. The fourth thing that we find even in 1 John 1 and 9 in the value of repentance is God's cleansing. I might touch on that a little later. But God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Now, it's one thing when we just take a, a wash off. I'm, I'm kind of country. And and sometimes when, when we didn't have time, or, you know, we had so many people in the house, we had one bathroom, one tub at the time. Um, and so if we had to get ready uh, for something real quick, or, you know, there were more people in line um, than what we would have to take was called a wash-off. And, and we, we kind of do that today 
uh, when people are sick or bedridden, you, you give them a wash off. You know, you wash the vital parts as the as my parents are old. We'll call them the old old folks. I'm getting there. Old folks used to say you wash your face and you wash your vital parts. <laughs> so when we talk about cleansing, there's a difference between between the wash off and a cleansing. And so when we're talking about the cleansing value of of God through repentance, God cleanses us. God doesn't just wash us up. He cleanses us. He goes thoroughly. And a lot of times we can equate that today because when we talk about a cleansing, you have to be careful because sometimes you can be talking about the inside. We do a cleansing, a purge of of the 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 bodily uh, uh, fluids, and 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 to eliminate the toxins, and that's the same way it is with God. When God cleanses us, God cleanses us from all unrighteousness, meaning that there is nothing that we have done or said or could have done or or any action, any spoken word, any thought. God cleanses us. Of all unrighteousness, it's thorough. And no matter what people may point to in our lives of now or in the past, if we're in God and, and, and we desire, we desire to be made whole and right and perfect and we repent and we confess and we love God and we just continue to seek to do his will, even when we fall short sometimes, God has already cleansed us of all unrighteousness. Now, it doesn't mean that we won't fail. It doesn't mean that we won't fall short. It doesn't mean that we won't mess up sometimes, but God has wiped the slate. Isn't that good to know? That's value to know that God has wiped the slate, that if somebody else brings it up, guess what? God has wiped that slate clean. There's value in that because David is king. And though David would have to suffer for the judgment uh, or, or God's judgment for his unrighteous deeds, guess what? David didn't have to worry about who pointed to it, and he didn't have to worry about he himself having to deal with what he'd done. God cleanses of all unrighteousness. If you're here today and you're listening, and the problem that you're having is not with people, but you're having it with yourself, because of an action that you have made in the past or even making now, because of words you've spoken or actions you've done, because of your past, guess what? God is able to cleanse you. And the reason that you're not able to go forward today is not because of other people, because you've long been past what other people say and whatever other people think and what other people have thought. But the reason that you can't go on is because twofold. One, you haven't forgiven yourself. You don't think you're worthy of God's forgiveness. You don't think you're worthy to go on. You don't think you're worthy to be called good. And you don't think that God is able to cleanse you. Well, today I'm just asking you, if you haven't already, to repent to God. To just say a simple prayer, Father, in the name of Jesus, I confess you as my Lord. I believe Jesus Christ 
is your only begotten son that he died on the cross to save me from my sins. And I've sinned before you. I know I've hurt other people, but if the truth be told, I've sinned against you, Father, and I want to be forgiven. Cleanse me of all of my unrighteousness. Move, remove from me the stain within myself that I can't even forgive myself. Father, I need you to help me. I call you Father because I'm your child. And I believe that you're able to do it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And God is faithful. And he's just to not only forgive you, but to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. And you can move forward in your life. There's value in repentance. So repentance brings with it a freedom and a renewal. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. The third thing I want to say is that it is a change of mind, repentance, and therefore a change of direction. If, if that is the case, if repentance is a change of mind and therefore a change of direction, then repentance is a form of sacrifice. And the reason why a lot of people fail in repentance is because they're not willing to sacrifice. And a reason why a lot of people fail to sacrifice is that they're not willing to sacrifice or not willing to confess, and therefore they cannot obtain or achieve or go forward with repentance. Because repentance calls us to give up or offer something. I want to stop there because there's another part to that. Repentance calls us to give up or offer something. Well, what am I offering? Am I offering my sin? Am I offering God my heart? Am I offering him my mind? Am I offering him my thoughts? Am I offering him everything about me? Well, the reality is yes and no. We got the first thing right. We have to offer it to God because he and he alone is able to, to, to bring about true repentance to forgive us, to cleanse us of all unrighteousness, being just as he is. But we're right in the sense that, yeah, we have to offer our heart, our mind, our everything to God. David confessed his sin. And in, in saying when, when Nathan confronted him and said, David, you're the man, David then went to God and said, God, I've sinned against you and you only. Yeah, you're right. It's sin, and I did it. Yes, I'm offering you myself. But the other part about that is that we really don't have anything to offer. Because God was really allowed the sacrifice of the animals to remind the people of their sin. 
Scripture said it could never, the blood of the bulls and the goats could never take away sin. That was, that could only be done through Christ Jesus and his atoning work on the cross, his bloodshed. So in ourselves, we don't have anything to offer. What we offer God is what he gave us. We're offering everything that he gave us. So we can't really offer ourselves because ourselves aren't good enough. But we offer ourselves out of his grace, out of his love, out of his mercy toward us. And as we come to Christ, we're offering the Christ in us. So repentance calls us to give up or to offer something. While at the same time, it calls us to accept something. What are we accepting? We have to, if we sacrifice, sacrifice, we not only offer, we got to accept. In the Old Testament, even when the priests were offering the sacrifices, or before we even get there, when the people brought sacrifices to offer, they had to be willing to accept something. They had to accept the fact that what they were offering would be good enough. And they had to accept the, the fact that the priest would stand in their steed to offer their sacrifice. We are no different. When we offer, we are calling, we are also being called to accept. We're accepting the fact that what we have to offer is not enough. But we offer it in Christ. We offer it by faith. By faith what? By faith because of God's grace, because of God's love, because of God's mercy, because of God's kindness, because of God's faithfulness, because of his faithfulness. And so we have to be willing to accept that what we offer, we're accepting the fact that it has been made okay and complete because of Christ. We have to be willing to not only offer it, but to accept God's free will of grace, accept God's hand of mercy, accept God's love, accept God's faithfulness, because we can't truly offer something if we're not really to accept that thing that comes from God. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, I beseech you, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. It says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed now, Romans 12, 1 and, 1 and 2, that's another lesson for another day. But it says, don't be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove or show forth what is that good, what is that acceptable, what is that perfect will of God. Mm. It is that which is pleasing to God. Proverbs 16 and 7 says that when a man's ways pleases the Lord, he makes even his enemies be at peace with it. Isn't that value in repentance? Knowing, first of all, that 
that we can offer our all to God and that we can accept his free gift of grace and mercy, of salvation, of love, of faithfulness, of forgiveness, that we can please God by, 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 by trying to prove his acceptable, his perfect, his goodwill for our lives. And then knowing that in repentance, as we please God, God will make even our enemies be at peace with. He didn't say we won't have enemies. He just said for the moment, they'll be at peace with you. Fourth, fourth value I see here is that repentance can bring an intimacy. That's where we find it in, in Psalm 51. We find that in Psalm 51. Excuse me. If you can tell, I have a little cold. But the value of... of, of uh, this relationship that we have in God or this fellowship that we have in God by means of repentance is found in Psalm 51, the prayer of repentance to which we are talking about in this discussion. Let's just read a little bit of it. Have mercy Upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me against you. You only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight that you may be found just when you speak, blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, in the hidden part of you, will make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. This is where a lot of us remember. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with your generous spirit. Ah, that's only 12 of the 19 verses of Psalm 51, but I hope you can get the gist of the intimacy of the prayer of repentance in Psalm 51. And what we mean by intimacy is that God, that David really went in 
with God. He didn't try to hold anything back. And what he was really seeking was to find and to pierce the heart of God. And not only knowing that God is himself aware of all things, because the songwriter said that even if we make our bed in hell, he's there. If we take up wings to fly to the othermost parts of the of the earth, God is still there with us. So so there is nothing that is um, uh, nothing naked, uh, nothing that is hidden. Um, is hidden from the eyes of God. And so to be intimate with God is to really open yourself up with God having without God having to open you up. And it's really coming to grips with those parts in our lives that really uh, need uh, a touching up. Those parts in our lives that we try to keep hidden from God that we don't think that anybody knows, not even God. And God is the one who created us. He knows the numbers of the hairs on our head. And so if God knows all of that about us, and, and he tells us in Jeremiah that um, he knew us even before, not this end, but before we were formed in our mother's womb. So if God knows all of that, surely he knows all of the secret desires and the thoughts of our mind and all David was saying is God you know it and if I want to really come clean I got to I got to confess these things that 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 are really on the inside of me that are torturing me that are keeping me really from from being who you would call me to be that even and here's the thing that I get getting even now that even though those things are in us and those things we try to sometimes bury in us and that we try to conceal even from God is that God knows anyway that we are concealing them and he loves us anyway. And that even when we don't bring them out, God loves us anyway. But it doesn't, so much help God in his relationship with us. <sighs> Let me say this right. It doesn't so much help us in our relationship with God from God's vantage point as it does help us with our relationship with God from our vantage point. Because when we're able to be intimate with God and open up about our deepest fears, our deepest cares, our deep, deepest insecurities, our deepest failures, our deepest uh, hidden sins, it opens our heart to more of the possibilities of what God can do in our life and for us. It's, it's able to cleanse out and move some of those crevices of our life and, and and it allows God to put some good stuff in there. The fifth thing, and we're almost done, in what um, I see as the value of repentance, and, and there's probably more if you just, just sit down and meditate on the Word of God or, 
or if you just uh, read God's word or you hear another teaching or preaching or message about uh, Psalm 51 or even about repentance, there are probably some other things that uh, those uh, messengers would say and even that God will reveal to you himself. But in my time with the Lord in reading this passage and in, in Second Samuel, I'm sorry, earlier I think in the first uh, recording I said, First Samuel, excuse me, it was it's Second Samuel, uh, but this is the fifth thing that I see from this particular value of repentance is that what we don't see here is reward. And I'll use uh, um, two other words as well. Uh, reconciliation and restoration. A lot of times when we read 2 Samuel, and even sometimes when we read Psalm 51, we don't see reward. And reward encompasses both reconciliation and restoration. Let's go back to 2 Samuel uh, chapter 12 as we conclude um, this teaching. God has pronounced judgment on David's sin. This judgment included the loss of his son. It included disarray and betrayal and bloodshed among his family. And here in Psalm 51 is where we usually see David's repentance. Reconciliation and restoration have to start somewhere. And even while we see and hear the repentance of Psalm 51, God's work can be seen way before now. So if we look in 2 Samuel, I believe, chapter 12, first of all, in verse 13, David does not deny. He confesses his sin. So covering our sin or our missteps can not only cover our view of God, it can also cover what what he has waiting to bless us if we just confess. Let me say that again. Covering our sin or our missteps can not only cover our view of God, it can also cover what he has waiting to bless us if we just confess. Some of the times the reason why we have not received that reward or that blessing from God is because we have not repented. And we're looking at a person or we're looking at God to, to see what the problem is. And the reality is that, that we have covered over our wrong or our misstep and we therefore are failing to repent and because we have not repent, it is covering what God has waiting for us. 
So a lot of times, in other words, repentance removes the very the barrier between us and a blessing that God has for us. Had David not repented, had David not confessed, I don't know what the outcome would have would have been because it's speculative. But I do know that when David confessed, it opened up a whole nother, another, a uh, whole lot of other possibilities for David. Secondly, let's see in this psalm another value in verse twenty-three. It shows us that confession and repentance opens up our awareness to other possibilities. David says to me. And these are in my words. David says, I was fasting to see if more of God's grace would come my way. It didn't come how I wanted it to, but it came. Mm, that's a good revelation. I was fasting to see if God's goodness would continue to overshadow me. It didn't come the way I wanted it to, but it came nonetheless. I can't bring my dead son back, but I can go to him. In other words, we are all going to die. I still have an opportunity, though, to live within the will of God as his child in the presence of God. God's justice could have called for my life as well. thinks David, but his goodness gives me another opportunity in this life. Now, my child is dead. I can't bring him back, but I believe that God has prepared a place for him to go. So I can't bring him back to me because life is not in my hands. It's in the hands of God. But I can go to that place, that good place that God has prepared. I can go to my son. But while I'm still alive here, I've got to thank God, not only for sparing my life, not only for giving me just an opportunity to see my son's birth, but for an opportunity to enjoy whatever he has placed in my future. And a lot of times we get stagnant because once we receive God's justice or, or what we sometimes call his punishment or his wrath, what keeps us from repenting is that we don't see God's goodness and that God grants us the opportunity to live because God's faithfulness and goodness does not have to allow us the opportunity to continue to live, but he does. And the reason that we're living is because there is purpose still in us. And God's plan for our lives is not over. And David was willing to see that God's hand could have very well taken his own life, but he didn't. And so the reality is that that's a reward, too, in life when God could freely judge us 
in a manner that's pleasing to him and is just. Any way he wants to measure out treatment to us is just because he's God. He can do it how he wants to. But the very fact that sometimes we don't go through the things that we should go through based on some of the things that we've done or even said, that's reason enough to repent and say, God, thank you. And that repentance will be rewarded by God in one way or another. And, 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 and just in a small sense to me, the reward in verse 23 was the mere fact of David realizing that God could have taken his life, but he spared it. Let's go on to finally to verse 24. In verse 24, we see how God's faithfulness rewards us. David has lost his child by Bathsheba. David has fasted. He's laying prostrate on the floor in a form of worship in hopes that God would change his mind and, and allow the sick child to live. But God has already passed judgment. The child dies. David gets up, goes, anoints himself, cleans himself up, put on his clothes, and goes in to probably come to comfort his wife who probably feels the same way, if not worse. So David, as king, as husband, goes in as priest to comfort his wife. And in comforting his wife, he becomes a husband. And in becoming a husband, he becomes a friend. Becoming a friend, he becomes a lover. And he is intimate with his wife again. And they have, and she gets, and she conceives, and she has a son. In other words, God allows, even in that moment, in that time, in the process of healing, in the process of worship, in the process of repenting, in the process of the course of life, if we let life just play out and walk in the promises and the faithfulness of God, God will, will reward us. So Bathsheba conceives and she gives birth to a boy that they would name Solomon. Many of us have read about some of the exploits of Solomon. But I want to say this and leave this with you. God's judgment had passed when it came to the child. Because remember, David still has to experience some other things in life as a result of his sinful behavior. But for right now, this judgment has passed and God moves on. And he rewards them with another child that is called Solomon. But many of us 
have moved on and we missed some other vital yet seemingly insignificant part of this blessing and reward. God did not have to do it, but he did. And part of the reason that God did it was we know that David held promises from God along the same line as Abraham. So God was in, 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 had uh, in view his promises still. And yet David's repentance helped bring about, or not bring about, but it kept the lane open for God to work his promises. And here is the reward aside from David blessing them with the boy Solomon, who would himself become king after his father David. God sends Nathan the prophet to tell them that the child that he is allowing them to conceive is beloved by him. In other words, God loves him too. God not only loves Solomon, but he loves his father, David. And he loves his, his, his um, predecessor, Abraham. And God's goodness continued to unfold. And because David is repentant, and opens his heart back up to God, God rewards him with a son, a son who would become king. But let but lest you believe that it's just all about you, David, and not about me, the Lord, I want to send you word by the prophet that this child is also beloved by me too because he's part of my promise. To Israel. And because he is beloved, the Bible tells us that names mean something. And so Solomon has another name that many people don't know. And his name was called Jedediah. Many of us are missing the Jedediah rewards of our life because we have not repented to God or because we stopped at a point where we thought God was finished and we've not left our ear open to the possibilities of God or what God has in store for us. Repentance makes other things possible. Repentance makes other things possible. And many of us still have some Jedediah moments, some Jedediah areas in our life that God has not yet revealed for two simple reasons. One, because we have not operated in repentance. And two, we have not taken the time to be intimate with God 
and find out what his will is for our lives. There's value in repentance. There's value in repentance. Say it with me. There's value in repentance. Hope you enjoy the message. May God bless you and keep you. And may we see you again next time.